This is episode number 35 with Kuo Yi Li, co-founder and managing partner of Monks Hill Ventures. Welcome to the Masters of Cashflow podcast. My name is Andrew Senduk, a former banker turned tech entrepreneur. And in each episode, I interview the movers and shakers of the venture capital and investment space in Southeast Asia, with the only goal to help you discover how to raise more capital, build better companies, and to give you a better understanding of the people behind the biggest funds in the region. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Now let's get started. All right, beautiful people, welcome to a new day and a new podcast session. Uh, I'm super excited uh, to have uh, Kuo Yi Lee in the building and on the screen because um, I told uh, Kuo Yi before, but I think really Monks Hill and Kuo Yi and the team are one of the OG investors in Southeast Asia, um, You know, have been around for eight plus years. And a lot of things changed in the last uh, eight plus years in Southeast Asia. Uh, a few highlights that I want to share uh, about Kuo Yi, uh, started your career in BCG. Um, you were a founder as well of Sports Hook, uh, which I would love to hear more about during your experience uh, being an entrepreneur. Uh, then you went into the venture space uh, through being a CEO of Infocom Investments, which is the venture arm of the Infocom Development Authority of Singapore. And eight plus years ago, you co-founded uh, Monks Hill Ventures, and you're now managing partner there as well. Portfolio companies include, amongst others, a Ninja Van, Hypefast, Go Get. Go get my and um, and many more. Uh, Koyi, I'm excited that you're here. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Doing very well. Thanks for having me, and uh, looking forward to uh, uh, the conversation. Likewise, likewise, uh, Koyi. I mean, I said it already. Uh, it's been eight plus years that Monks Hill has been in the region, investing, uh, writing checks. Uh, how have you looked at um, <laughs> How have you looked at the region like in the last? Let's say you've seen it from, from really the, the, the initial seeds of the tech industry, you know, being planted within the region. Uh, and like I said before, I think even in the last 12 months, maybe even six months, uh, there's so many drastic changes. How do you look at it as, you know, one of the early guys in the industry? Um, valuations going up, uh, you know, more VCs coming in, more capital coming in. What's kind of like your, your view of how the VC industry and how the fundraising climate is, uh, is evolving? Yeah, you know that's an interesting question, but I think it's important to kind of bookend the uh, the time in which you know my observation of startup in general, community and funding uh, will look like. I mean, my first experience in the tech startup world was back in '98, the first dot com thing, and then when I came back to Singapore uh, from the U.S. in 2002, I was involved in the first startup here in Singapore, which my current co-founder and managing partner Peng and I was were involved in. And so that's what 2002 post the, the dot-com crash. Yep. Um, and, and then, you know, four, six, seven years, you know, our company got acquired. And that's when things begin to take off in terms of the new generation of startups. And, and so, you know, and then looking back in the last 12 months, obviously, you know, you alluded to all the intensity in terms of, you know, activities in Southeast Asia. Um, I, I want to kind of, Allude back to 1998, just because it is a nice book, and that was the last major crazy peak, yeah. the run up to the valuation and all of that. There are definitely differences and all of that, but there's some similarities as well. Um, but looking back to South, on, on Southeast Asia, you know, my first seven, eight years back here was was a barren uh, wasteland. There was not no activities. Yeah. There were very little startups. You know, uh, you know, and it was hard raising any sort of dollars in Southeast Asia. Um, I, I don't think there was, you know, practically any venture investments during the first six or seven years mm. in the 2000s. 
Uh, and then things started to shift in 2008, 2009. And a lot, a lot of it was driven by technology changes, the availability of the mobile devices, the connectivity, you know, 3G at that point, you know, increasingly becoming more available, although 2G was still quite the key connection to, uh, uh, method for a lot of people in the region. But the, the rise of social networks like Facebook as well, I think, you know, brought a lot to that, you know. Um, so that's when I thought, you know, that's when uh, the startup activities really began and initial funding uh, largely from the government initially and, and and then leading to uh, to Mangsu Ventures in 2013, which was one of the first generations of the the new wave of uh, VCs in the region. Um, even back in 2013 and 2014, when we started looking at the space, there was still a lot of skepticism, right, from investors around the world looking at Southeast Asia and going, you know, if I have an extra dollar to invest in Asia, why wouldn't I put it in China? Why would mm. I put it into Southeast Asia? Yeah, and you got to remember, there's a huge center of gravity called China, uh, that's not far away from us. Mm. Uh, and you know, to a lot of folks sitting in the U.S., they might not even be able to tell the difference between the two locations, at some level. And so, and so for them, I think you know, it's a hard question to think about why put a dollar in Southeast Asia. Mm. Um, so I think my peers can probably attest to the same uh, experience. It was a slog, you know, raising the first fund in 2013. Um, but Tomasic played a big role. Uh, fast forward now you know, to your point about the last 12 months, I think um, things have changed drastically. Uh, we're seeing Southeast Asia becoming a thing. Yeah. Um, I lost count, I think, the most you know, upcoming batch of Y Combinator um, 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 participants is what, 15, 20 companies, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. And, uh, and so Southeast Asia is definitely catching the attention of investors globally mm-hmm. at this point yeah i think it's um it's it's only good right it's only good but i think it also brings the question on uh quality and uh, you know investing in the right startups but maybe we could go a bit uh, go a bit back uh, i'd love to always like highlight a bit like your own entrepreneurial journey with with, with sports hook and uh how did that go uh, i mean uh, eventually so sports hook was acquired or was that a different company that you did with uh together with Ping? Uh, the one that they were paying is a company called Accentuate. It was a uh, information security, particularly in the identity management space. Um, so Ping started it. I uh, joined it was one of the early guys, and then uh, I was the sales uh, VP. Right. Eventually, we ran that uh, until 2008, 2009, when IBM acquired the company. So it's now part of IBM. And then I went off to start SportsHook. Uh, that was in 2008, right, right around GFC and everything. Um, Sports was predicated on the idea that while social networks were emerging and uh, Facebook was just a new thing. Yeah. In fact, you know, in 2006 and 2007, until you have a .edu email address, you're not even able to get an account on Facebook. True, true, true. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm kind of putting a vintage on my head and yeah, true, how true, old true. I am. <laughs> For most of us, I think we might remember that. Uh, but, but, you know, the idea back then was kind of believing that, look, social networks uh, will fragment into special interest social networks as opposed to the general social network like Facebook. Uh, I also believe that there needs to be an offline online component to networks, right? As much as you're interacting online, there's always value to be offline. Yeah. And so the idea of organizing a social network around sports was really you know, how sports got started. And uh, I'm not sure if folks actually remember back in 2009, there was a company startup called Ning, N-I-N-G. 
okay. that was started by uh, Andreessen Horowitz, uh, by, by Mark Andreessen. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was largely to uh, enable the formation of individual specialized social networks. Wow. So it was very much on the same, you know, sort of premise. Yeah. yeah. Um, but obviously, Facebook was a, was a juggernaut. You know, the, uh, the product development, you know, rolling out groups, rolling out feeds, rolling out events, rolling yeah. out, you know, a whole bunch of stuff around that. Uh, just just sort of made everything else quite moot. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So quite eventually, like, Sport Talk, how did it, uh, you roll it up or like? Uh... We, we want it down. We want okay. it down. And I think at that point, it was very clear the writings were on the wall uh, when Facebook was just so dominant. Yeah. And the realization, the premise that, you know, everyone wants a separate social network for the separate interests yeah. uh, just did not stand up. And so that thesis just did not play out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and tell me more about your transition from, let's say, building, uh, you know, before with Bang and then Sportshook uh, to going back into like the investment space. Because so after Sportshook, you did the Infocom gig? Yeah, yeah. So uh, Infocom uh, investors happened right after uh, Sportshook. Uh, as I was winding it down, um, they were looking for a CEO, you know, uh, to to kind of take it, and and that was probably also because uh, Peng was involved in that. We reconnected, got it, got it, and got it. so then they were looking for a CEO uh, to kind of uh, take it, you know, sort of, you know, yeah, um, to more active investments and all yeah. of that. Yeah, and I think at that point, uh, I knew winding back a couple of uh, gigs before all of that. My first startup was in Boston in '98, in a in a machine learning startup called Reputation Systems. And that was based in Boston, funded by VCs in Boston. Um, Repute, and then subsequently in Century that where Ping and I were part of, we raised money from Sand Hill Road VC. So there's quite a bit of VC wow, okay. sort of experience, but really from the other side of the table, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With them as opposed to for them. Yeah, exactly. And so Infocom Investments was kind of like the first uh, kind of uh, step onto the other side of the table, yeah. uh, not without having experience already yeah. with the with them uh, at some level. And so Infocom Investments is um, um, mandate uh, funded by Singapore government was to look at bringing some of the top tech companies from around the world into Asia via Singapore and taking a co-investment approach. Meaning we co-invest with the top VCs in the world Look at some of these companies that are looking to expand outside the U.S. into or outside their home countries, into Asia, and then we will position ourselves as an Asian co-investment partner. Yeah, and and, uh, and the reason why I brought up Boston and 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 Century and Sunny Road is because that largely taps on our VC network for deal sourcing. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. And so we co-invest with the likes of folks at Union Square Ventures in New York. Wow. Wow. Uh, Bassmer Venture Partners in yeah. uh, in, in the Bay Area, yeah. Sequoia, um, Atomico in London, uh, some very good VCs that obviously we learn a lot from as well. Working yeah. alongside them. Those are those are those like the that's the Fred Wilson, right? I mean Union Square is Fred Wilson, right? Or no? Fred Wilson was running it. Brad Burnham as well. The main yeah. partner that I worked with is uh, Albert Wanger. Yeah. Uh, so we co-invested in a company called Twilio, um, and uh, and then obviously did pretty well. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. uh, Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, we were there. The, yeah, we were there when it was 80 million pre-money valuation. So it's early. Wow. Early wow. enough. Wow, wow, wow. That's, uh, that's amazing. That's an amazing journey. So then, and then transitioning to, let's say, running your own fund. So, so the relationship between you and Peng goes, goes way back then. I mean, you guys know each other. Oh, already. yeah, yeah. We've been collaborating for almost 20 years now in a different wow. capacity. 
That's amazing. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, he and I like to joke that, man, it, it's, uh, you know, longer than certain, a lot of marriages out there, that, right? I mean, <laughs> uh, I'm not sure that's a, that's an indictment on the institution of marriage or, or more of us <laughs> being long-term partners. Exactly. But, but how, <laughs> how does that transition then to, to, to come to a point where you say, like, okay, let's just start our own fund, right? I mean, uh, was momentum there? Was it, you know, because of course, after acquisition, I, I assume there's a bit of, this bit of gunpowder as well to, to start with, but uh, what's, what's been like kind of like the main variables or the main things that were happening in your lives back then that you said like, okay, let's just join forces and launch our own fund. Yeah, I think in 2013, 2012, uh, Ping and I were chatting. We've always been chatting about different things. One of the things we we're thinking uh, really hard about was, you know, obviously we've been on the front row seat about what's happening in Southeast Asia. Uh, Infocom Investments is not just about investing outside of Southeast Asia. We're very active as an ecosystem builder in Southeast Asia and Singapore. And we've seen a lot of companies. Yeah. He and I are also active as mentors and angel investors in a lot of companies during that time. And we both felt that, hey, you know, uh, it makes sense for us to think about A, contemplating the idea and the possibility of a large company growing out of Southeast Asia. Mm, yeah. In this days of unicorns, you know, bidding, being born almost every month, you know, it might seem like, what's a big deal? <laughs> but in, in 2012... You don't know. You don't know. <laughs> but in 2012, it was just something that nobody believed in, really. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just a hard concept to imagine, right? Uh, but we felt that, hey, you know, we see a lot of young folks now deciding that, you know, startup companies is what they wanted to do. Hmm. Uh, Peng at that time was in Beijing. He was investing with uh, GSR Ventures, uh, you know, founded by one of our uh, mutual friends, uh, hmm. Richard Lim. And, uh, and so he wanted also to kind of think about moving back to, to uh, Singapore and Southeast Asia from Beijing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when kind of we came together and, uh, yeah, and started the, uh, kicking off the idea of Monk's Hill Ventures in 2012. Wow, that's amazing. And then let's talk about about Monks Hill now, like uh, it's been already, uh, is it now fund number three? Three, yeah. Number three right now. Uh, yep. Total AUM, what is it kind of like ballpark figure where, where you guys are at? Uh, you know, AUM wise, I think all three funds collectively, it's about, you know, three to 400 million. Yeah. Wow, amazing, amazing. And fund number three is, uh, is now being deployed or are you already eyeballing fund number four? Uh, fund three is uh, being still being raised, although okay. about to close, okay, uh, and we have already begun deploying from fund three. Okay, that's amazing. Yeah, and so that's already active. Yes, yeah, that's super amazing, exciting. So uh, very interesting, right? So there's fund number one, which let's say 2012, 2013. There's fund number three uh, went through the whole cycle, let's say, uh, of these uh, of fund number two as well and three. How's how's fundraising been for you for you guys? Fundraising as a as, as a VC fund, you know, uh, is it now uh, a walk in the park? I mean, uh, there's so much cash being thrown into the market. <laughs> how, how is it now? Uh, I think you know, generally speaking, I'm, I'm sure you know my peers might agree as well. Is that for folks who have been fundraising since 2012, I think it's gotten um, perhaps you know um, easier. Yeah. Uh, I think a couple of reasons, you know, folks are more familiar now, there are track records, there are things to look at, there are companies to kind of re reference as, hey, this is possible from Southeast Asia. Mm -hmm. So the folks that led the way, like, you know, Garena and our C group, Grab, Gojek, you know, all these guys, absolutely, and our Ninja Van and, yeah. you know, uh, and, and Carousel and, and folks, you know, it's kind of leading that, that sense of, hey, this is possible. It's not a one-off. Yeah. It's not a flash in the pan.
Yeah. You know, there's some, you know, all these issues around are there enough engineers in Southeast Asia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are there enough founders? You yeah. know, there's is there enough series B investors? And you know, obviously there's a whole bunch of questions that need to be proven out. Yeah. And I think we're getting there. We're knocking down those those uh, questions. Yeah. Um I suspect, you know, and this is you know, probably very true, the availability of capital in general, you know, the liquidity uh, that's out there, um, um, interest rates being what they are right now, yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely drove a lot of that. And, and just success of technology investments yeah. over the last couple of years during the pandemic definitely drew a lot of interest, not just through Southeast Asia, but tech in general. Yeah. And uh, BCs being tech investors definitely benefited from that. Yeah, that's that's so interesting, right? I mean, especially uh, you're talking about, let's say, unicorns back then, uh, quote unquote, back then, uh, were, you know, where where are they? Or oh, these 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 companies will be potential unicorns, but yeah, they haven't realized yet, or they haven't blossomed yet to a unicorn. But but nowadays, uh, like you said, every month or every few months, there's like new guys coming up and say, okay, we got unicorn status. How how do you look at that, right? When these companies that are merely two years old, three years old. Uh, revenues, well, revenues far from being a billion dollars, you know, far from being $100 million a month, maybe even far from doing $10 million a month, are, are getting the label uh, of being a billion dollar business, right? Uh, as, as a VC, I mean, uh, you know, even for companies that you are investing in, but just in general, as a VC, uh, you see that, that activity going into the market, meaning, you know, post money, I mean, to make these deals interesting, these, these companies need to like really, really blow up, right? Or you need to be there very, very early. But is it, is it a, not a worry, but kind of like how do you look at that trend of these very young companies that are actually getting a billion dollar valuation um, without per se, you know, driving, let's say, I don't know, $100 million a month in, in sales, right? So there's a, there's a lot of based on projection type of valuation in, that, uh, in, in those deals. How do, how do you look at that? Yeah, I mean, if you again going back to my two bookends, you know, 1998 to now 2020, 2021, uh, the observation is that valuation has gone up now. You know, obviously the peak of whatever it was back in mm-hmm. the days of, of the first dot com, and and now, and and the underlying fundamentals, valuation, EBITDA, etc. Yeah, yeah, um, and clearly you can imagine, you know, there's a bit of that detachment. Yeah. Now that reflects what might have happened in '98. Yeah. But I should I should qualify that by saying this truly fundamentally a material difference. Mm. Um, back in uh, the first dot com, I think you know if you look at the uh, the deals uh, the deals there, there's a lot of froth, mm. you know, but not a lot of coffee in that in the latte. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but now if you look 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 at the current you know companies where the valuations are high. There's actually quite a lot of coffee in there, not just froth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that I think that's a good sign. But at the same time, I think the valuation is running away a little bit. Mm. That is really a function of the of the uh, of the liquidity and and, and just you know, so much capital going into it. And so perhaps there might be some settling down to be done in the next you know few years. Yeah. Uh, but that's it. I think it's that's real substance in terms of how people live now, right? Yeah. Vis-a-vis twenty years ago. Yeah. Um, I don't put a lot of weight on the label unicorn i mean the billion dollar valuation as you can tell is so somewhat you know what does that really mean valuation is this fuzzy idea it could be artificial the only thing that really matters is your revenue revenue growth you beat the profitability yeah Yeah. 
that is as true now as it was 20 years ago. You that is can't so argue with that. That is, that is so yeah. true. But, but I can imagine, but I can imagine, you know, having said that, you know, revenue growth, EBITDA, you know, your, how your gross margins are evolving, uh, you know, your customer base, your retention, like all those fundamentals. Having said that, uh, is it, as a VC even, is it sometimes difficult to let a deal go because, number one, the financial models cannot make up that valuation, even though all the big, quote unquote, big guys or interesting VCs that you want to do deals with are jumping into that deal? Um, or, is it, or is it very, you know, is it very objective? I mean, for you, like, how do you look at investing from that perspective? Because there's, I always say like investors are also people and there, of course, there's always a bit of quote unquote FOMO in there where, you know, you want to be in a deal or you're co co-lead or co-invest with another, another party. But how do you, how do you keep, how do you keep your sanity? Let's put it this way. How do you keep your sanity as a VC where there's so much, you know, cowboy stories going on and billion dollar valuation here and there. And, and of course, at the end of the day, it is ROI. Uh, you need to return the money back to the LPs. You need to have a, you know, a, a good return, but, how do you kind of like stay sane within this whole cowboy uh, climate that we're in right now? Yeah. I think everyone's investment strategy is different. I think I speak for Monster Ventures. I you know, can't speak for everybody. In our case, I think we think of ourselves really is in the company building business. Mm. And when we're investing at a series A stage, in our early stage, company building takes five, seven, eight, nine years. And if you think about that length scale of that amount of time, it's a very good chance you see one cycle. Yeah. Right. Think yeah. of it as a sine curve. You're, you know, in that time that you draw from now to the next eight years, you're going to see one economic cycle. Yeah. Right. You could be yeah. on the up cycle of the sine curve right now. At some mm. point, you're going to come down that, that yeah. sine curve. Mm. And, and so we're going to think in those length scale. We are about building businesses that need to see itself through those cycles. Uh, I think the pressure is building right now, where there's a good chance that we could be, at least in some, you know, magnitude of the cycle we can argue how big or how small yeah. the adjustment might be but yeah. i think the sense of it's almost inevitable uh at some level in the next seven eight years so our job is to make sure that we look for fundamentals and invest uh based on first principles which is mm. what we always try to do yeah and make sure that we can see it through regardless of where we are on the sign curve yeah yeah exactly um so that said you know there's certainly a lot of pressures right now Right, deals and uh, founders are doing the right thing for themselves in the sense that if someone's going to give you a higher valuation, all things being equal, why not? Mm. Why not? Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. And ultimately, I think that's where we kind of uh, make sure that you know, we find alignment with the founders. You know, we're not going to be definitely the cheapest or you know, it's unrealistic to think, go in there thinking that you can get win a deal with half what everybody else is offering. There's, yeah, there's yeah, yeah. Some, some realization that Generally speaking, you know, these are better founders, the market is better now, there's less risk. So the value of the asset should really go up anyway. So yeah. value shouldn't be like what it was eight years ago. Um, that said, I think we want to maintain some level of uh, uh, calmness about how we approach this and not get too far away from our first principles approach. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and making sure that the alignment is there. I think it's important to understand the scope. Um, the other part of our strategy is that we, don't look to make a lot of investments. We do, you know, build a pretty concentrated portfolio. We have five investing partners on the team, probably one of the largest investing partnership in Southeast Asia. Mm. Every fund that we raise, each one of us is doing three to four deals. Okay. Although times five, that's about 20 deals. Yeah. Um, but it's pretty concentrated per partner. 
Yeah. Right. So that we have contention, we can spend time with them to make sure that we are we're, we are focused. Um, but it also means that we don't have to do every single deal. Yeah. Um, right. It is a safari out there, Andrew. Right now, there's a lot of uh, it's a wild safari. Yeah. Um, our job as investors uh, are to look for the elephants and make sure we shoot. Yeah. At the elephants, we shoot true. Yeah. Uh, we might miss a couple of elephants, but there are presumably plenty out there. Um, the last thing we want to do is to shoot a rat and and then you know waste one bullet. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and rats are great. I mean, rats are very meaningful in the ecosystem. Yeah. But yeah. because Not they play a role. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know. But our yeah. job, our job is to kind of uh, uh, aim for the bigger ones. Yeah. And it's important that we shoot the right fifteen. Or yeah. 20 companies yeah. and not worry about you know that 21st or the 22nd that we didn't get to shoot at. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. So it's not a it's not a quantity game. You really play a quality game. Uh and meaning the pipeline is let's say also also for you. I often talk about like, oh yeah, uh, you know, if I work with entrepreneurs, it's like, oh, okay, fill your pipeline with quality leads, but the same goes for for VCs, right? So let's let's go back a bit, right? And let's 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 build it up with a bit of metrics. So that means let's say. Uh, let's say just to make it easy, uh, four deals per partner, right? Four deals per partner. To get four deals per partner, that means that the deal flow of that partner needs to be at least, what, 40 or like 60, 100 startups or 100 decks that he needs to go through, or he or she needs to go through and, um, um, and make sure that the deal flow is, is big enough you know, to eventually get the gold and get those uh, three, four, uh, three, four companies that, that, that are the elephants in the... Uh, in the jungle, right? So how, how does that how does that work from a let's say a deal flow perspective? Like how does it how does it work? Are are these partners per partner? Do you need to look for like hundred different startups? Is it is it really does it go like that? Mm-hmm. You only have like I don't know, 20, 30 percent that's that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. The, the average the average statistics I'm hearing from my our peers uh, and, and what we see ourselves that we're each seeing you know, anything between sixteen hundred to two thousand companies a year. Sixteen hundred to thousand, okay, yeah. Yeah, so there's a number of companies, uh, business plans, whatever you want to call it, opportunities that come through our pipeline. Um, And that's the volume. And obviously, not everyone is addressable. And and so, you know, and but at the end of the day, on the other end of the the funnel would be, yeah, four, yeah, um, four each. But bearing in mind, you know, we're not, when we raise a fund, we don't invest everything in one year. We do typically invest over two, three years. Yeah. Although now it's closer to two years and three years given the velocity. Yeah. But but yeah, I mean so so it does, it does, you know, then fundamentally it's about looking at 20 investments over close to three thousand opportunities. Wow. Wow. That's um uh, that's uh, you see quite a few decks then eh? yeah we, we are used to seeing decks, that's for sure. Um we're used to seeing decks. <laughs> um that's just part of the uh, yeah the muscles that you develop. Yeah, yeah exactly. But but I think uh, the, the the parable is, is is great, right? You want to shoot the elephants, you want to shoot the big the the big animals, right? And not, and make sure not to shoot the rat. Um, assuming let's let's continue that parable. Uh, if you're in on safari, you're not the only one in the jeep, right? You're not the only one in the jeep and driving through the through safari. There's there's multiple cars driving there, and everyone is shooting or everyone is aiming and looking for that elephant. So how do you look at how do you look at the differentiation factor? Because especially in today's market, you know, I remember like in 2015, 16, we were raising, we were doing a series A and I mean, we're knocking on like so many doors and, you know, so many doors closed. And, and, and if I look at the, 
if I look at the market now, it's almost like everyone has their door open. It's like, yeah, come, come in, come in, come in, show me, show me what you got. And, you know, we got money to spend. In today's market where there's so many VCs, so many capital, like how do you look at, let's say, the differentiation factor of, of monks versus other VCs? Or how do you keep that link strong so that the deal flow is consistent and, uh, and high quality? Yeah, Andrew, so this is where the analogy breaks down. Right. Uh, when we talk about the safari and we're shooting at animals, by the way, no animals ever get harmed yes, in the yes. investment process. Yeah, FYI, just to yeah, be clear, okay. no animals are harmed. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that's where the analogy breaks down now in particular, right? Uh, it is the elephant deciding which one to pick up and put on their back. Yeah. So they say, true. come along with me for the ride. Yeah. Yeah. Come along with me for the ride. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and that's kind of part of the game right now. That's part of the, the beauty of it. You know, so much of it depends on whether the founders want to work with you and want you on their back mm. and riding with them. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, and that's, that's just, you know, that dynamic going on right now. Um, um, so I think, you know, a lot of this is really about culture, about, you know, how we work. Um, and I think, I, I, Particularly right now, given there's so many companies that have been funded before, uh, it is almost incumbent on founders that are fundraising to do their research, the diligence, talking to other founders that raised money before and say, mm. who would you talk to? Who would yeah. you raise money from? Knowing, knowing who you are and you knowing who I am and mm. what kind of people I like to work with, mm. what kind of companies I want to build, you know, mm. who will be the right investors for me? Um, you know, it. It, it could be us, it could be our peers. And then that's yeah. fundamentally, I think, one of the key things to be considered. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so true, so true. So, so you feel as well, like as a fund, you need to do the work as well to, you know, to make sure like, hey, elephant, like, like, I want to shoot you, but, you know, at the same time, I also, <laughs> want, to, I also want to be on, uh, on your back to do this journey together. Yeah, I want to go for the ride now. Let's, yeah, let's go for the ride. together. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so, I so think, I think uh, yeah, I, I absolutely think so. So I think, you know, it's all the more important that we, we are able to telegraph, you know, what we stand for. Yeah. And, and, you know, yeah, I think we can do so much screaming and shouting, you know, disrespect by podcasting and yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. sort of social media, yeah. but nothing beats the word of mouth. Yeah. You know, um, um, venture capital is a karma business. Um, yeah. I like that. Know, how you treat one founder really at some point. And these are the founders that you might not have invested into, right? Yeah, and how you treat one founder no. can really all the no, yeah, can really come back to you. Mm. Um, and so we, we you know, we approach our conversations with founders with a lot of humility. Um, all the partners have been there before. We have yeah. been on on that side. You know, we know what it's like to put yourself out there. Yeah, yeah. You know, to be critiqued, to be yeah. asked twenty questions, and to make it look like, man, what do I think of that? Man, this is like, you know. And so we understand that and we try to, you know, we definitely, you know, approach the conversations with a lot of humility and respect yeah. for the fact that, you know, the person has decided to put himself or herself out there. Yeah. Right. And, uh, but bottom line is that, you look, know, you know, treat people well and good things happen. That's karma. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Whether you decide to invest or not. Right. Yeah. That, that's so true. And, and, and when we talk about that, right, so, because I think uh, a lot of, uh, I, I hear often, like, it, it's, it's, of course, a people business, like any other business, it's a people business, but it's just more that maybe because of, you know, media, and there's a lot of, a lot of cowboy stories about VCs, you know, people think or assume certain things, certain things happen within the VC world, but you're so right. At the end of the day, it's a karma business, it's a people business. And when it comes down to people business, are there, are there certain values that you always look at in founders 
Um, I mean, apart from you being humble towards founders, but what triggers interest when we come, when we look at, when we talk about, let's say, characteristics from founders that you, that you uh, are interested in, like purely from an entrepreneur perspective? Um, you know, I think, I think it's the importance is, is um, bigger picture thinking, being able to see broad picture, hmm. you know, while being able to kind of down, down into the details if necessary. Um, but I mean, two dimensions are kind of quite critical for me. Uh, one is the humility dimension. Uh, you do want some folks, you know, someone who is relatively confident, but not to the point of being arrogant. Yeah. Uh, humble to know when you know he or she doesn't know something and need to kind of find out, but not to the point of being too indecisive. Yeah. <laughs> so that dimension is important to me to be dialing right in the middle. Yeah. The other is uh, just biased towards action, right? Um, you want someone who is biased towards action and making sure that things happen and get done but not to the point of not even thinking about things before you go do it. Yeah. At the same time, you don't want it to be too far to the other end where the person is always thinking but not doing. Yeah. Right? Analysis paralysis, yeah. And, and so, you know, dialing that down somewhere to the middle and the intersection of that, I find to be typically quite the right combination. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that. I like that a lot. You know, having been in the in the, in the the VC game for some while, for some time, right? If, if you look now at... Um, both on the let's say the fundraising fundraising and the capital side of, of the fund itself and working with people if you, if you just look back now like what, what would you say are, are characteristic of, of good fund managers you know if, if people that want to raise a fund or they want to start their own VC fund and what are what is in your opinion kind of crucial if you want to raise your own fund or if you want to be a good VC huh. wow that's a, that's a good question I think um, as with any companies, you know, clarity and strategy and differentiation in terms of what you stand for, what kind of investments you are making, and why are you the best, you know, in position to do that mm. would be quite important. The team, you know, um, VC funds don't tend to be very big typically as a start, but the team still matters. Um, the longevity of the t- of the company, of the firm, the platform, whatever you want to call it, you know. Um, how do you kind of make something that it is a business? I mean, back up. It's a business that fundamentally involves a huge component of luck. Mm. Mm. All VCs who are successful have to be lucky. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The question is, how do you talk about and be able to build some level of repeatability that on top of being lucky? That is a very, that is kind of like the holy grail almost. That's correct. And yeah. I think being able to kind of build that and being able to transmit that beyond you so that, you know, uh, that only this many investment geniuses in the world, I think. Right. But that's, I think, you know, being able to kind of build some level of repeatability that's external to a person yeah. into a system. Yeah. Wow. I think yeah. it's, it's also the other part about longevity. Right. Mm. Um, look, I think different investors into funds have different expectations. Some are kind of, uh, uh, and, and all the all work. There's no right or wrong here, and some are kind of more bought into investing with a personality, and that's perfectly okay. Uh, some are looking for more of a longer term set of like multi fund relationship, so they want to underwrite the firm and the process rather than just a one particular person. Yeah, um, and so they all can play out differently. So. Interesting, uh, Koyi. Um, two final questions. Um, number one is this. Uh, if, uh, if we look at uh, Monks Hill uh, five years from now, uh, what, what, 
what would Monk's Hill look like five years from now? Uh, Monk's Hill five, 10, 15 years from now would not have me in it for sure. Uh, like maybe what? not five years. Five years is too close. Yeah, I'm still <laughs> plenty, I think. But I guess my ultimate point is that uh, what you know we try to build for and, and, and look to do is to, to my earlier point, build that um, clearly defined firm that has a set of values yeah. and cultures that transcend individuals. Yeah. And so that as a founder, when you are in, you know, talking, working, taking an investment for Monks Ventures is investing with a team that believe in a certain set of values, right? So building a firm that, that sort of represent that, you know, um, and that has longevity, I think, I think it's the objective. Yeah. So five years from now, you know, there'll be a bigger team. We're still very focused on Southeast Asia, I think. Um, I don't see ourselves building a very big behemoth of an asset management company managing tens of billions like a BlackRock. Um, you don't? Uh, or you do? Look, uh, future generations might think differently. Okay. Different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At this point, I think, you know, we think of ourselves as a group of folks who are all ex-operators and founders yeah. who have been yeah. there yeah. and uh, really bring that along with capital from high quality LPs to, uh, to um, help the next generation of uh, successful um, entrepreneurs coming out of the region. I love that. And I think, uh, especially uh, you know, being ex-operators, combining it with capital, I think there's just uh, there's more magic, there's more smartness around the capital. So uh, kudos to you guys. Uh, final question, uh, Koyi. Uh, we imagine a day far, far away into the future, and um, on that time, I'm not sure what search engine there is available, but let's just assume it's going to be Google. And uh, I uh, I search Koyi Lee. I search her name. And uh, there's, there's actually nothing coming up. There's no LinkedIn. There's no Monk's Hill site, uh, nothing. Except, except for three bullet points. And these three bullet points, they actually represent Koyi's uh, life lessons that he wants to be remembered by. What would those three lessons be? Uh, <clears throat> wow. Um, that, 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 you know, Koyi was, uh, well, this is almost like reading my own uh, eulogy. But, um, that 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 uh, you know that he was a great partner to have been to have worked with you know I think that is a big part of my life and our lives uh, you know um, founders validating that it's been a great uh, journey to be with with Koi and um, that I have been a key helpful to society to my country and being a good part of that being a good citizen. Um, yeah, and uh, maybe more privately, you know, I'm not sure how social networks work at that point in time. I mean, more privately for my own family, right? Yeah. Something to look back on and say, yeah, you know. He's a, he's a good Hey, Dad, oh, man, you, you did pretty good. <laughs> you're a good guy. Yeah, that, that's, what we, uh, that's what we all aim for. That's, uh, that's beautiful. Okay. Uh, Koi, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed our convo. And uh, again, uh, amazing journey uh, ahead for Monks Hill. Uh, amazing things uh, are happening and you know excited about fund number three and uh, i hope to uh, see you soon in real life likewise hope to uh, hope to meet you in person and happy holidays ahead for you and the family thanks so much we'll uh, speak soon yeah bye-bye thank you bye-bye thank you so much for listening to the masters of national podcast if you found this episode valuable i'd really appreciate it if you can leave a rating and review and i look forward to seeing you in the next episode